Welcome listeners to our 23rd and final episode of the Authentic Conviction podcast. Um, we are really excited to have Andrew Stallings with us, and um, we're going to get into Andrew's, uh, Andrew's background, what he does and what makes him unique and authentic in all his many ways. And um, what, a, what a cool way to end our first season. Uh, by the way, Andrew, we did 23 episodes uh, in honor of the one and only 23 Michael Jordan. Uh, so I, I'm dating myself there a little bit, but, uh, anyway, I want to welcome Andrew to the podcast and, and Andrew, what we like to do at the very beginning here is, um, just allow you to kind of share a little bit about yourself, uh, for the listeners that don't know who you are and, um, a little bit about your background. Yeah, no, I, uh, I sincerely appreciate the opportunity to join you guys today. Um, you know, kudos, uh, 23, the goat. Um, I don't think there's any argument. And if anybody says LeBron's better than Michael Jordan, go ahead and at me because I'm not, I'm not having that discussion right now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So myself, uh, Andrew Stallings, I'm originally from Southeast Virginia, uh, in the Virginia beach area, uh, grew up just with a huge passion and affinity for sports. Um, I actually played ice hockey my entire life. So don't ask ask me how it makes any sense coming from a beach community to playing such a cold weather sport. But that's kind of how I made my way up here into the Northeast here in Connecticut, uh, where I reside these days. But, you know, I think growing up, you know, I always knew that sports, much like many of us, we're, we're drawn to the entertainment side of it. We're drawn to the passion of it. And once we're kind of at the crossroads of our life, you know, growing up, going into high school and college, you know, and, and for those of us that don't even take those routes or opportunities, we're thinking like, what, what is it that I want to do? And I think we're always quick, but very efficiently, we turn off the, the kind of the illusion that, oh, I want to work in sports, or I want to work in my dream or passion or something like that, because we don't necessarily know how we don't have the tools, we don't necessarily know the resources. I know myself, I, I always thought, okay, either I'm a hockey player or I'm a coach or I own a team. Like that was the only way in. Um, but what I quickly realized, you know, just going through the motions and kind of studying more and more and more about sports, you know, from high school on was that there's so many different verticals, right? There's, there's communications, PR, philanthropy, athlete management, et cetera. So I was always fascinated and drawn by, you know, the ways into sports. And I think once I went to college at Marymount University up in Arlington, Virginia, um, I, I had kind of faced quite a bit of rejection. You know, I was rejected from like all 13 colleges I applied to like D3 on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I was given the early itch to, to understand kind of the business side of life that I feel like I was destined to do, which was pitching and convincing people that, what I'm saying is not complete BS, but that there is, you know, a way or an alternative to it. And, you know, I had to pitch my way into college. Uh, Marymount was one of the last universities that rejected me. And I wrote a handwritten letter to the Dean of Admissions explaining why I wanted to be there. And one of the main reasons was, candidly, I was a huge DC sports fan. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, like be closer to the sports teams I love, if for nothing else, why not? And I think coming up to DC after I got accepted where Marymount was, it gave me an opportunity to really build a network and community of connections with a lot of people in those sports organizations, but also people from the media side, from the PR side, et cetera. And throughout college, like that was my goal. It's just, I wanted to learn more about this. And I ended up stumbling into an 11th hour internship with Sirius XM radio and the sports department. Uh, ended up turning that into a part-time position, then a full-time position uh, where I was a producer and uh, radio host for for quite a few years um, after I graduated. Uh, still had to juggle and balance freelance writing and journalism for a number of different outlets. 
I was bartending, I was coaching women's high school sports. Um, you know, I was all over the place just to make ends meet. And, you know, I took kind of this flyer opportunity where it was like, okay, you know, I've worked in radio. I've kind of hit my ceiling. I'm young, still 23, 24 at the time. Where do I want to go? And I had gotten to know again in radio as, as, you know, some of you may know, some of you may not know. It's a great networking and building opportunity to build your network and, and meet a lot of new people. So I knew a lot of people at agencies, different teams, et cetera, and had an opportunity to come up to Connecticut. Uh, started working at Octagon, which is a global sports agency up here. Um, helped out on a variety of different accounts and programs. Uh, went over to the brand side, did a little bit with uh, Anheuser-Busch and Constellation Brands, uh, working with uh, global sports sponsorship for FIFA, Budweiser, Corona, the WSL, et cetera. And then honestly, I just, I woke up one day and I was like, man, you know, I know all these great professional athletes. I know all these different brands and opportunities. Like, I, I think I remember specifically Googling, do I have to be a lawyer to be an agent or like be a manager? And the answer, what I realized quickly was no. Um, it's one of those things that's a little bit gray, you know, depending on the territory and sports that you're working in, there's, there's obviously different rules and restrictions. But for me, I was like, okay, well, I don't really want to be an NFL agent or an NBA agent. Like I want to help like rising sports athletes and different properties. Like where are my friends watching like the ESPN ate the Ocho sports? Like, you know, how do we help those athletes? Cause obviously they're doing something right. And in the world of social media and content, as things are evolving, I knew that the consumption pattern by fans was going to be rapidly changing. The NFL is going to be the NFL, right? But I think as you look at fans, you know, that are riding on the subway, they're more and more looking at highlights from ESPN and House of Highlights from the Milk Crate Challenge and, you know, the kind of the weird things that we're seeing today. So I looked at it from an entertainment perspective and I said, okay, how do I help athletes just develop and manage and build their brand both on and off the playing field? whether that's tax and legal help, whether that is brand development, logos, websites, content strategy, uh, or sponsorship, partnership, influencer deals, whatever you decide to call them. So we took two words, athletes, opportunities, smashed it together to make one little funky run on word called Othello that most people can't pronounce. And, uh, you know, really just said, look, like, how do we help athletes? And it was me and two of my buddies originally who I played hockey with. Um, and they were marketers as well, working at other agencies and brands. And, you know, it just started off as one of those things like, yeah, okay, side hustle, side hustle. And I was hit with an ultimatum. I got laid off while I was on my honeymoon as part of a 90 person layoff and, you know, kind of said sink or swim. Is Othello going to be something or am I going to go get another nine to five? And uh, ultimately took the flyer, gave myself four months. And, you know, today we've been doing it three years. I bought out my business partners uh, and we're running a full service global agency with over 25 athletes that we manage and 110 different brands and properties on retainer. That's amazing, man. I, so many things. I'm, I'm going to unpack a lot of that. That was incredible. <laughs> First of all, you do have a good voice for satellite radio, man. I, I got like the face for a, it too, you know? No, no, I didn't say <laughs> that I have the hair for radio, but you definitely have a good voice. That's, that's a, um, but um, let me, let me go one at a time. First of all, you ever heard the, uh, the, the old, the old uh, story about Aaron Cortez and, and him burning the ships? No. So he was a Spanish conquistador. He actually, when he, when he would invade certain islands, uh, he, they would say, basically, if we leave, we're not leaving on our boats, we're leaving on theirs. So as soon as they would hit land, they would have people burn their boats knowing that there was no retreat. Hmm. And it's such a cool message. I've done that. Uh, it's funny you say you coached uh, women's sports. So did I. Um, and uh, high school, I, I played college athletics. I played baseball in college and I was a wrestler before that. So this whole, like, I love sports. I love athletics. I love competing. It never leaves you. And so I think 
the cool thing that I'm hearing from you is um, that 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 strand in you of of competing and winning, you learn in sports, but it's carried you into be a better professional, you know, which in a weird way is exactly what you're doing for your clients, because sports may be what gets them in their position. Mm -hmm. But you're the one that's going to take that that competitiveness and that brand and that strength that they've created from sports and it'll exist far after the, them even competing, which is the importance of brand. Mm -hmm. So I, I just, when I heard that, I just, I was amazed. Yeah. I'm an entrepreneur too. I've, I've got, um, I've started, uh, uh, seven, seven different entities and I'm 44 years old, but, um, didn't have one handout, but that, I think that common thread is I'm going to win. I got to figure it out. But that leads me to my second thought that I had, uh, as you're talking is, you know, the whole uh, Simon Sinek, you know, start with why it's, it's been very played right over the last three or four or five years. And by the way, it's great. I mean, fundamentals blocking and tackling and th those things never, never go away. They always work. However, what I've put more of my focus on that's my weakness isn't why my, why is clear. My, my, my vision, all that is simple. What I've tried to put more focus on is the how. And I think the crazy thing is, and and I'd like to hear your, your take on this, especially with Othello, um, is, is, you know, creating that vision. But there's a million people that would love the idea of what you do. But figuring out the how is, is probably most valuable. How many people do you know um, that wouldn't be able to do Othello because they can't they, they didn't have the stick to itness or, or the intestinal fortitude or the patience? I bet you I'm sure you got rejected at every turn, just like you did in college. But you know what? I bet you that those college lessons made you better prepared for the, for the rejection and the struggle that you faced when you started it. But, um, you know, do you, do you run into that a lot with people that they have these great ideas and they mistake hobbies for work and, and don't know how to execute because they don't have the how. Yeah. So first and foremost, I apologize. My dogs are very excited about this topic as well, clearly. Um, so this is, I love it. I know we're, we're work from home life folks. So this is, uh, authentic. basically, you know, I, I was, I, again, going back to college, I was rejected so many times. Right. And, you know, I was told that I wasn't even going to get a chance to go to college, both my parents, my guidance counselor, everybody, they, they all said, Hey, you know, like, look, you know, your grades aren't that good. You know, you probably community college is okay. And I just never took that and absorbed it. It was the weirdest thing. It was almost like it just, it was not even something that stuck to me. And it was one of those out-of-body experiences that I've rarely had in my life where adversity and just someone telling me that it has to be this way was the way that I had to do it. I, and I think that's why I struggled a little bit in school, you know, early on is, look, I hate math, right? You know, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, they, they typically will say the same thing. They don't like being told two plus two is four by this very A to B to C formula, because, you know, I want to be able to get to two plus two is four by going A to C to Z to V to K, whatever, you know, I want to find my own way. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the way that I've always looked at it from, from college onward is that, so many people just, you know, in my life have supported me. They've given me such great credit and support. But I was thinking about this other day, um, the other day, and I, I, I'm actually glad you brought this up because it's something I'm, I'm very eager to share. I, we hired our first employee full time this last week, and they start here in a few weeks. We have a senior director of operations that's going to be um, managing our West Coast operations moving forward. And it's a big step. Uh, you as an entrepreneur know that there is a, a lot of uh, challenge and scale and timing of that. 
Um, and getting a chance to do that is great. Um, but when you have such a monumental moment in your career to celebrate that, um, LinkedIn is a great sounding board to to kind of see who really is paying attention and and you know who's kind of supporting you, et cetera. I can put on LinkedIn that we brokered a $4 million, $5 million, $10 million sponsorship deal. Uh, we have billboards all over Santa Monica, whatever, and it won't stick. If I do it for three or four more times, it still might not stick that much, right? And again, if I'm doing this in year one of my business, people still are like, oh, okay, Stallings, like this is your side hustle. This is cute. You're still growing. Like, you know, We'll see if you stay consistent with it. Three years in, announcing that I'm hiring my first full-time employee, I put up a post about it and I've never had more messages of just congratulations, sentiment, like, hey, you may not know this. We look at your stuff all the time. Like our agency looks at your website. We love what you're doing. We love your tweets, we, everything else. We may not like them. We may not retweet them. Just know like we're, like we're watching in silence. And it's so funny to me that, you know, I, I kind of took a step back uh, after looking at all that good, you know, positive energy. And I said, you know, if I did this year one, year two, people aren't so much excited for the fact that you're growing, right? They're not so much excited that you got a $10 million sponsorship deal. People love to honor consistency. People love to look at people that grind it out and they are habitually good at the, just putting the end result there so that no matter what, they're going to put that end result out there. And I just, I was thinking so much about that, that just like, we don't honor consistency that much. We don't honor people that just actually get stuff done nearly enough. We, it's always the fastest, the quickest, the person who did it best, but there is something to be said about somebody or somebody's that are out there building and the builders, whether, it, it's, you know, huge setbacks, big comebacks, whatever it is, if you're doing it, we should be celebrating that more. And, and I'm a firm believer in that because I don't think we celebrate, you know, kind of the storylines uh, of kind of how things are built nearly enough because, you know, we all learn, you know, through those building processes. And that's kind of been my whole career is that I've learned through people telling me no. I've learned through people telling me that I wasn't good enough. I've learned through, I've had some of the worst bosses that you can even imagine, but I've also had ones that to this day, they will never know the impact that they left on my life ever, 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 ever. Mm -hmm. And, and to me, like they have truly defined and motivated me to where I am today. So what I always try to do is, you know, we have a group of college interns, you know, that we have about five to seven that work with us um, for six month internships. Um, you know, a lot of them are academically credited. We don't pay our interns. I am public about that. Uh, and I hate that, but, you know, from a business and scale standpoint, I make it very clear that I'm going to give them not just now, but in the future, anything and any resource that I can possibly give to them. Like every Friday, we have a thought leader series. I pull in a senior leader or a CMO or somebody at a team or a brand to come in and do like a one-on-one -on -one Zoom session with us, just, just a six, seven of us and, and have a conversation. Swag, send them as much swag as I can, you know, drop occasional things in their Venmo. Like I, I reward the best way that I possibly can. And I keep in touch with those that are motivated and understand that, you know, Stallings is doing the best with what he can and he's rewarding us in whichever way possible. So for me, I'm always trying to help people understand that it's not just black and white. It's not just financials. It's not just winning. It's not just losing. I am notorious to say that if you are comfortable living in a gray area, 
and the unknown in the cloud, you can get a lot more done because you just don't know what's possibly there and you just don't know what potentially you can accomplish by living in that area. I'll tell you the crazy thing about that is, is while we're living up in that area, that gray cloud that you talk about, Mm -hmm. I call that a a cloud of possibility and and people below you are drowning in a sea of, of fear. Yep. And it's crazy. You look at our world right now. I mean, everything is fear-based everything. And for me, I've just never really bought into that because I just, I don't know, I I would take a stab at this and say, you and I won't, won't admit this publicly, although we're doing it right now, um, that we, we may be procrastinators. I have an old joke. Why do today what I can push off until next week? And it's not that you don't want to get it done. It's because we work better under deadlines because we're competitors. It's weird. It's, it's this weird formula that works into an entrepreneur's mind. But, um, the, the, the amazing thing, I still can't get over this. You told me, um, I didn't unpack this a minute ago, but you said, you know, you got notice on your honeymoon that you, you're, you're basically coming back without a job. And so it's not like you had this, oh, mommy and daddy are going to give you this $50,000 check for you to, you know, build your website and get your swag and hire people and get all the technology you need. You were living in a place of discomfort in the, in the time that you needed strength most. Um, it reminds me, I love using sports analogies, which I know will resonate with you. Um, I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. So um, Lou Holtz is, is, is the epitome to me of coaching and class. But, you know, what people may or may not realize, he wrote about this in his book, Winning Every Day. When, when in the 70s, I think it was like the early to mid 70s, when he was unemployed, no coaching job, no, no place of employment, literally nothing. Um, he was selling, I think, uh, grave plots on the side you talk about a, a depressing job while his wife went and worked full-time and earned their living. And he felt useless. It was in that moment that he made a list of 100 things that he wanted to accomplish in his life. He didn't do that after, you know, the 1988 season when he won the national championship in Notre Dame. he didn't do it. He did it while he was unemployed and at his weakest state. I think there, that tells you a lot about who he was as a person, which is why it's not a coincidence that he's one of the best of all time. But one of those items on his list was actually winning a national championship for the University of Notre Dame, playing Augusta National, but like he do an African safari. He's got all these things on there, hundred of them. You can go on and probably Google it and find them. And as of like a couple of years ago, he'd done all of them but one. And you know that that mindset is something that resonates with me. But um, transitioning a little bit over in, in, with with Othello and, and all the things that you have going on. What amazes me, because you and I share one thing for sure in terms of a passion professionally, which is, you know, my big push over the next decade is I want to be impactful in the world of professional athletes. So my profession for over 20 years has been financial planning. Um, I feel like the thing that, and, and again, on this podcast, we talk about, it's called authentic conviction. Don't be afraid to share the things that make you good or that make you great, Right. Um, we're quick to beat ourselves up, but we're really slow to identify the things that make us great. So with that said, for me, I think the thing that separates me as an advisor isn't, you know, my, my crazy amount of knowledge. I mean, we have computers now you could go on right now and find 10 different asset allocation models that could probably meet your retirement goals. I hate to like short, shortcut people think they're these brilliant advisors, but there's a million ways that you could do that. But what people aren't always good at is breaking things down and educating in a way that people understand what they need to do, which by the way, starts with listening. So I feel like I have so much to offer that world because here's the way I look at it. Let's say that you are a running back for the, uh, the Washington football club. Is that what they're called now? The club or team? 
What is it? The Washington, it is football, the Washington team? football team. Uh, but that's, yeah. a, that's a topic for another time. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't have enough time for that right. garbage. But anyway, uh, the Washington football team. And you're a you know first round draft pick, and you got you know everything ahead of you right now, right? You know a lot. What a lot of advisors have done in that space, and I know because I have I have colleagues that work with a lot of pro athletes, and we've had a we've had a handful as well. Is let me show you that the greatest asset allocation model. Let me show you the best returns, the lowest cost, right? They're looking in the complete wrong direction, and the only message that I want to send to these athletes is, can I please sit you down and help you understand? that when the Washington football team or the Cincinnati Bengals or whoever is no longer sending you a paycheck, you better start thinking right now about what your enterprise looks like when you're no longer carrying a football Mm -hmm. or on a surfboard or, you know, playing tennis or whatever it might be is you have to build your own enterprise, which by the way, includes brand includes passive sources of income includes all that stuff. So I'm assuming that you have, I, I was amazed. I was looking at all, you have a nice, versatility of, of clientele, you know, in terms of the sports they play male, female, like it's really, it's really impressive, but are these the type of conversations you have with your clients? Yeah. I mean, it a hundred percent is. Um, and it's, if we didn't, we'd be not doing our job even at the base level. Right. Um, you know, you know, this probably firsthand that a lot of athletes, the, the bottom line is cash. They, everyone wants money, right? You know, they think it's, it's cream cash rules, everything around me. Like they just, they love that. And you know, what they don't understand is that even in today's world, actually more so in today's world, there is so many different ways to be looking at the long-term value and fortune of what you cannot cash in on now, but what can you do now? That's going to be next to nothing of effort for you. That's going to get you paid in 10 to 20 years from now. So you know, a lot of the athletes I work with, you know, they struggle a little bit financially, like they're not getting the NBA NFL contracts. Right. And it's, I think it's a, it's a flip script that, you know, when you work with some of those NFL players, you have a difficult time sitting them down and explaining to them because they're just looking at their bank accounts. They're like, that money's not going anywhere. What's this guy talking about? I'm good. Right. Right. But you know, when you're talking to the number seven ranked female WSL surfer in the world that you know, again, just came back from the Olympics. She tripled her social following. Everything's great. And it's still good. Uh, You know, she's got her sponsorship deals in place. Everything's fine. It's still not good enough. And those athletes are not content. And I think that's the joy and what I love of working with athletes like that is that they're so motivated and it's still an uphill battle and climb for them that they realize they're like, if I have six figures in my bank account, like what a blessing, like, holy cow, Mm -hmm. let alone seven, eight, whatever. Uh, And and they're just like, this is great. But the one thing that I tell all my athletes, regardless of where they are, Olympic athlete, NFL, et cetera, is that, you know, working with brands has changed a lot in the last few years, working with, you know, different companies in general properties, et cetera, has all changed. And the way that I always look at it is, you know, putting my brand hat on for a little bit, you know, they're like, yeah, we don't have a, $50,000 marketing budget to spend on an athlete for commercial use right now. And I'm like, okay, cool. But what if we bring him in as an equity shareholder partner and, you know, give them options, give them an employee stock option program um, that vest over time and potentially can be bought out in 10 years or whenever you guys get bought out. And it's baffling to me that more brands are surprised when I bring that up because they're like, well, really? And I'm like, I mean, sure. I mean, I'm not going to give you a five-year free deal just with options, but let's maybe say in the first 18 months, it's this, you know, we're just doing options and then we can 
you know, if, if the company is hitting certain thresholds over time, then it activates another clause where it's like a $25,000 bonus, $50,000 bonus. It motivates the athlete then to have the success of the company because they have skin in the game, right? They have skin in the game. And, you know, I can't tell you, like we, we have one of the surfers that I, that I do work with. Um, we have her working with a vegan ice cream company right now. And she, um, got equity as part of her multi-year agreement with them. And I think, Everybody wins with that because, you know, the company is looking to leverage her to bring her to distributor meetings and everything else be like, Hey, yeah, you know, we have this amazing surfer, blah, 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 blah. And, and she gets to learn for after her career firsthand about the world of like consumer packaged goods, trade distribution. Um, not to mention she's learning from very smart, intelligent women leaders that are doing it. There's so many different things and areas that we look into with partnerships for our athletes, and it has to check a lot of boxes. And it goes back into the passion and morals of, of what they stand for and what they do. And that's just one example is, you know, it's one thing to get her to partner with a Briars ice cream, you know, like everyone thinks Briars is household, blue collar ice cream for the most part. But when you have an innovative like uh, the company Snow Monkey, right? Like anybody can look them up. They they have all these female athletes. They're run by incredibly intelligent female um, leaders, you know, in their community. They're young, they're scalable, they're scrappy. And they, the one thing I mentioned to them when I brought this athlete to the table is like, this athlete wants to learn, you know, she wants to grow and, and really understand that she's 21 years old right now. The next 10 years are not guaranteed. So Mm -hmm. let's say in five years, God forbid breaks her leg during an event. That's it. Game over. How much knowledge is she going to have? Not just the, the money, but how much knowledge, not just the equity, but the knowledge, right? Because then if everything stopped tomorrow, I think the one thing to your point, which you were getting at is that education is often so overlooked. And if you have not only just the community and resources, but the education, starting an agency, starting a company, whatever is not nearly as hard because you already have the celebrity factor, right? And you have that celebrity that can carry over into business and you have the right tools in your arsenal to do it. It's a gift. It is such a gift. And it, it's, it's the clarity because if I, if you went right now down to your kitchen and your cupboard was full and your refrigerator was full, would you really be worried about going to the store? No, not at all. And, 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 you know, these, these, these extremely well-off wealthy 20 somethings or even early 30 somethings that are still getting these big paychecks aren't going to go to the store because their cupboards full. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult. It's a similar conversation I have with clients using, again, I love these back and forth with the, the analogies, but yeah, do you know how difficult it is to explain to a 40 something year old the proper way of how they're going to distribute their wealth at 65 or all the things that could cause problems. But you know, you know, when it becomes a realization, when they see their, their, their parents go through a long-term care situation, like I don't ever want to do this to my kids, or they see a good friend that dies prematurely and they don't want to have that, that issue with, with their, it's, it's only when the pain hits you is when you feel like you need to do something. And sadly, a lot of times it's too late. I mean, the numbers are staggering when you look at these athletes and how many of them run out of money you know, within five years of their retirement, because they're 34, you know, they're 33, 34 years old, and they're, and they're completely out of money because they have no brand, they have no enterprise, and they've got no passive income. And not only that, but you grow accustomed to a certain level of income and a certain level of comfort, right? Like, do I really need to be going into the VIP room when I'm in Vegas for two, you know, it's like, you, that becomes a norm. And, and so I think it goes beyond just the financial education and the, and the overall coaching. It's really creating 
a, a lifestyle that you got to realize, wow, this is something I need to start thinking about. And I will tell you a lot of these, these, um, you know, I would say less known. I think that's fair to say they're not as popular right now. You you talk about surfers. They don't have as many followers on Instagram or anything else, but I guarantee you that they're going to come out ahead versus the people in their 30s and 40s versus the ones that are making an exorbitant amount of money in their 20s and don't know what to do with it. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. And and by the way, that's your guidance. But um, I mean, it's amazing. But uh, so I heard you earlier talk about uh, it's uh, again, a lot of similarities here because I'm a big swag guy. I think, you know, I've worked with some people over the years. We've got people that try to get our business, you know, whether it's um, mutual fund reps or insurance reps that want us to sell their products. Right. And they send all these, these, these little tchotchkes. Um, but I've had some interesting things be sent. I, one of them was pretty cool. We were telling a story about um, the importance of, of, of a lumberjack to take a little time out of his or her day to sharpen the blade. Cause you're going to cut more trees down than if you just keep dulling your blade and keep swinging, right? You need to take time to sharpen the mental blade is the whole idea of that. And a week and a half later, we literally got these huge boxes with our names engraved on them. They were wood, wood handled axes. I mean, it was like such a cool, right? Like that was, that was creative, but like, what are some of the creative, uh, what are some of the creative thoughts behind, you know, what you've done for people or what you've received back like, like from a, from a marketing perspective that you remember that stick out to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I will say that I think bigger, bigger, bigger product seating and, you know, just customized product opportunities are a little bit difficult. Um, I've had some clients that have sent me just really cool things out of conversations, you know, similar to what you were saying, probably something stuck from them. Um, you know, we get hit up by vendors and salespeople and stuff all the time. And I try to be very polite, but I often will hand off those conversations to, to other people on my team. And, you know, I, I tell them like, Hey, I respect the hell out of what you're doing. I just, I don't have any time to do it. Um, so, you know, sometimes stuff will show up and, it's okay. I don't think I've seen anything lately in the last like year or two that's really blown me away, which is kind of disappointing because I think now more than ever in a world of COVID, you know, we all need to be thinking a little bit outside of the box with how to interact. But I also think that people, when they interact with our team and our agency, like we're kind of no BS, you know, like we're, we're very like humble, smart. And we're like, Hey, look, like you don't need to butter us up vice versa. Um, but we've had some incredible things from partners where, you know, like we've got, like, I'm a huge scotch guy. And, um, for anyone that knows me or in conversation, you know, deep into conversation, it'll at some point come up that I love Lafroy, like big, big scotch guy. And, uh, you know, I've had clients that have created like custom artwork bottles of Lafroy and that intertwines into just a point of discussion that, you know, we were talking about or a project or a campaign. I always thought that was super cool. I like anything that, um, is, like very artistic and narrative driven. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we work pretty closely with a few different artists and muralists on projects um, throughout the year. And I love like last uh, Christmas, all of my athletes for Christmas, I went to uh, Antonio Brown sneaker artist, um, Corey Payne, who's based out of here in um, Hartford, Connecticut. I hit Corey up. I was like, Hey man, I want to get everybody custom air force once. Like I'm going to give you a narrative, a blurb about them, their story. I want you to make these badass air force ones and dude spent a week and did, I think at the time, like 18 to 20 pairs of custom air force ones. And like some of them were better than others, but man, it was just, 
it blew me away at the creativity of someone like that. And, you know, again, sure. It was a, it was a holiday package and investment. Like we're obviously going to always take care of our clients around the holidays, but I mean, it was something that for some of the athletes, they love them. They're just like, Oh my gosh, it's the craziest, coolest thing in the world and blah, blah, blah. Cause you know, it intertwined like their accomplishments of the year or like brands they were working with or like our relationship. Like it was really cool. Like it wasn't just like I put a fellow group in neon green and on sneakers. Like I customized them for each individual right. athlete. And then, you know, further, you can probably see right behind me, right over there. Um, yep. There's another pair of sneakers back there. I would, I would go grab them, but you know, we're, we're doing this live. So we'll do it live. Um, but I had them do uh, sneakers for my wedding, you know, and, and did like um, dedicated. Uh, my, so my wife had breast cancer at an early age. And so I got a pair of, um, Nike Nija SBs that are like my favorite shoe of all time. And he custom did like uh, breast cancer awareness with like the flower and the ribbons and everything. So on the wedding day, like I got to honor my wife that way. I, to me, like that was something that I thought was like super cool. Like I've always kind of been taken aback by like the creativity that you can do with certain things like shoes and certain, you know, elements of apparel. Um, I'm not a sneakerhead though. Like I'm not a big sneaker guy. Like I, I usually wear the same pair of beat up Sperry's and a backwards hat and, you know, um, just kind of go do my thing. But, uh, I am a big hat guy. Um, I, I actually, one of our clients, I love melon hat company. They just literally the FedEx guy was probably dropping off like 20 new melon hats. I sorted. Um, but you know, some, some companies, they, they, they've done it right with the boxing and, and product seating opportunities and, I just, I don't think, unfortunately, I have one exact situation where I'm just like, holy crap, like that brand did it right. That person did it right. I think I myself am still challenging the best way to do it, but I always look at it as like, no two gifts can be the same. Like mm-hmm. we've given custom JBL tower speakers, you know, to clients that, you know, are inscribed by artists and stuff. And I just, I don't know. I think intertwining the intimacy and empathy and the message into anything that you give. It's just, I love that example you gave about the acts. I think that's so cool. And I think just being able to take something away like that and, and kind of advance it from a more emotionally connected uh, moment, I think is super cool. But I just, given we're with 25 athletes, I can't give a mass gift rarely that's going to attract to all of them, you know, unless I'm able to customize for each opportunity, you know? Well, your shoes are the, the coolest of all. I mean, the, the pink that, that, that's, that's a special thing. I just, you know, we, we use a lot of, of, uh, the, a lot of similar, it's funny, the same words always come out of this because it's, which to me is cool. It shows consistency in what we're talking about, but we call, we call that a tapestry. You know, each person has their own tapestry that has made them who they are, whether it's their experiences, their family, their, their challenges, their successes, it, it all makes you who you are, you know? And, um, I'm with you. I think, you know, finding individual ways to do nice things for people and not only that, but remind them that you're paying attention and that you're listening to them. You know, like I'm, um, you know, I'll remember your, your, your scotch, you know, passion and, and, and your, you know, when, with pink ribbon stuff, I'll think of your wife. I mean, that's to me, we call that being a noticer, but, um, you know, those things are important by the way, I'm, I'm, a I have an unhealthy addiction to air Jordan. So we'll talk about my collection some other time. Love it. Um, but uh, so uh, we'll, we'll uh, in the final in the in the final moments here, I'm just curious because and by the way, for the listeners that don't know this, um, you know, we don't we don't really walk through things. I mean, Andrew and I cut up for a few minutes before we started this, but we like this to be, you know, s- straight straight off straight off the uh, off the cuff. So um, 
that way it's more authentic and more honest. So I'm asking you something I, you weren't even prepared for. So just tell me to move on if it's a subject that you're not even really into. But have you guys discussed as a team, you know, what possibilities exist with uh, those three magic uh, letters that are all over ESPN, name, image, and likeness? Have, have you, are you looking to get into that market at all? Cause that's a new opportunity. Yeah. So it's, it's funny because notoriously I have taken a very, very public opposing stance to NIL, um, not for the athletes or for the, the brands or anything. I, I I'm all for athletes getting paid. I, I'm all for the creativity in, in the actual moment. The problem is, is that, you know, I, I think a lot of people know this, but it's much like anything, right? You know, people, unless there are very clear rules, regulations, and people upholding, you know, kind of the the day-to-day regulations of the NIL, right now it's a free-for-all. It is a mess. And I think if you look, there's, I was on a webinar the other day, it might've been Open Doors, it might've been someone else. So don't hold me to this, but uh, I think they were saying like 82% of NIL deals have been done under the table right now. And without checking with universities, athletic departments, anything like that. And I'm just sitting there. I'm like, holy cow. Like, are you kidding me? Like there you are waiting. Like you have a target on your back. Like you're ready for lawyers to come after you. And I personally know at least 10 lawyers that are working on fighting and challenging these NIL issues going into 2022. There are a lot of lawyers right now that are working on behalf of universities, brands, et cetera, that are willing and are going to ruin the careers and lives of many athletes, um, probably many years after they graduate college. And it's super disappointing that the fact that the floodgates opened without a more regulated process to the fact that you know this is probably going to come back and bite a lot of people in the butt many years down the road. And I... I personally am interested and I'm becoming more interested um, just from watching and learning from peers of mine. I have not seen one success story where I'm like, man, that's really cool. Like, oh, that, that totally makes sense. I, I think that there's a lot of work to be done. And I think that there will be a lot of work to be done. I think in five years, this will be a much cleaner process. And I think it's going to be regulated by the NCAA. It's going to be regulated by the departments, uh, the athletic departments. And I think, again, a lot of people aren't going to like it. They're going to say, this is BS. Like, you know, the money's going where it's notoriously gone, which is basketball and football. Like tennis players are only getting paid this. Like it is going to get political and messy more so than it already has. Um, But I think this is what people wanted. They wanted the opportunity to get paid and the expectation thinking that it can be a free-for-all and it can just be this anarchy style, like everyone can do whatever they want, however they want, and think that there's just, you know, the NCAA is just going to sit there with their arms folded is, you know, is crazy. The NCAA has been under a ton of scrutiny in the last few years, and they've done a lot of things wrong, but they're also the NCAA. Same thing with the NFL. They've done a lot of things wrong in the past, but they've done a lot good. And you know what? They're still the NFL and they got a lot of power and a lot of money. So a lot of people tend to forget that, that the silence from the NCAA right now is, you know, it's a bit deafening. You know, they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we can do whatever we want. Ha, ha, ha. Mom and dad are still going to come home and they're going to discipline you. <laughs> like that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of the example I use. Like there's, it's not just going to be this way forever. And I, I think that they're, my fear as an 
agent, owner of a business, a manager, whatever you want to call me. I just fear that there's a lot more downside than up right now. And I feel for a lot of the athletes that are kind of navigating these waters, um, you know, a bit unknowingly, um, we get a lot of college athletes and inbound right now, you know, we get random people, you know, uh, people hitting us up as like the, the relief pitcher for the Arkansas Razorbacks, like all this, like, Hey, I want to make money. And I think that's the, also the misconception is people are just only in it for the money, right? You know, they're like, Oh, I'm 20 years old. I want beer money this weekend. I'll go do an influencer deal. It's like, you just have no idea. You have no idea. And, and, you know, I, I really do think and hope that we will find our way into the space a little bit more in the future. Um, I know two colleagues of mine on my staff are working diligently to see and find a new way in for us. That makes sense. We're we're talking to lawyers all the time. We're talking to universities, athletes. Um, You know, we're, we're trying to at least be, you know, unbiasedly an asset to educate people, but you know, we're not, we're not, managing anybody. Um, you know, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, ah, you know, should we sign somebody today? Should we not like, but they're just, the more I look into it, sure. I could do it. I could literally go sign somebody tomorrow, but would it be legally correct? Would it be the right way to do it? Would it be something that is probably going to come back and, and get me in trouble? Yes, it probably would. And I think that's the biggest problem that I see is, you know, Wasserman and WME have just signed their first athletes in, um, you know, the first few days, like, I mean, of, you know, NIL, like so many people like rush to it, rush to it, rush to it. And it took Wasserman and WME months, you know, to, to sign their first athletes. And I give them kudos, like they're big agencies and they have all these powerhouse attorneys and everything. It still took them months to sign their first athletes. And that's, that's scary to me is that, you know, the people that are running around, you know, thinking they can just sign and do whatever are the ones that are going to get screwed. So upside uh, is not necessarily there for me in my business. Um, I think there is potential, but I think in my advice to anybody is to just very much be patient and know that more structure is going to be needed in order for this to be right for everybody down the road. Kind of reminds me of every time Apple used to be like six times a year, they come out with a new phone, a new phone, right? And I, I would always tell my wife, I'm, I'll let everybody else buy this and, and, and get through all the issues and I'll get the next one. Yep. You know, I think this, a, a sit and wait, isn't a bad strategy. Uh, that's, that's a really good outlook on it. But, um, so in our closing moments here, I'm, I'm I always, like I said, I'm, we would never invite somebody on that, that we didn't think, uh, wasn't like-minded or, or, uh, you know, has a really cool path to share. So, um, for our listeners, what are some of the things that you're, that you're most, you know, a couple of things that you're really, really excited about that you have going on with Othello and, um, you know, maybe some things that people can be on the lookout for to better understand your brand and what you're doing? Yeah, I, I think for us, it's community. Um, community is what has served us our best purpose, you know, over the last few years. Um, we were going and talking about uh, you know, earlier about how like mommy and daddy didn't, you know, write a check for $50,000. You know, I started this company with $20 in an LLC filing. And, you know, for many of the business ventures that we're looking at now to enhance Othello Group, um, we're reinvesting those dollars to bring in new team members, bring in um, new people that can help our athletes that we manage and represent. Um, but I think the big picture goal is, I mean, look, Othello is athletes and opportunities. So we want to be able to give people the opportunities to be educated, empower them, and you know ultimately entertain however they chose to do so. And a lot of that is going to come in many different ways. You know, working with leagues and properties, 
Um, you know, I think the webinar model and live events model is a little questionable and we all have zoom fatigue right now, but, um, I do think that there's gotta be a new way to educate, um, content consumption in the way that we're distributing our content as an agency and putting ourselves as thought leaders is going to be very important. Um, I personally hate the term expert. Um, I try to remove that from anything that I say or to individuals in my life, because I just think there's always more opportunity to grow and learn. So my team is currently working on a whole new new um, education model for athletes, brands, and properties that's going to be pretty much driven by our social content strategy. You know, I'm empowering my interns, my employees, my contractors, my athletes, and we're going to develop so much content that's going to blow people's mind to really be like, hey, you know, wow, holy crap, like a fellow group is just pumping out content every single day. Boom, boom, boom. And, and I think that's our goal. We're going to give it a whirl for a year to see how it goes in just so many different platforms and see what sticks. You know, we want to we want to raise an eyebrow. We want people to like, we don't need 10,000 followers. We don't need 5,000. If I have five dedicated people that you know, are like, holy crap, like, dude, we are turning in, tuning into everything Othello Group says every day, mission accomplished. So, mm-hmm. you know, really it's, it's shaping ourselves to, to be a resource for athletes. I don't care if they have an agent, they have a manager. I don't care if they don't. I always want to be looked at as holy crap, Othello Group is doing stuff for athletes. They're doing stuff for the betterment of brands, for properties, for the community of sport. Um, and they're growing it through a, a very unique way. So, I just want to be a resource. And I think that's the number one goal in 2022 for us is like, how do we better serve athletes, whether whether we are representing them or not? How do we better serve agents, managers? How do we give them tools and tips and tricks for what's working for us and what isn't? Um, I think there's a big allyship, you know, in, in this area that a lot of people just aren't willing to embrace and grab onto, but we want to do that. And I don't want to fight anybody. I, I sit here and I, I do a lot of podcasts and a lot of media People sometimes ask, they're like, oh, so what's your five-year plan? You know, you want to be bigger than Wasserman and Excel and Octagon and CAA? I'm like, dude, we work with those guys every day. Like I, the number one reason I'm here is because of Octagon. I love Octagon. And I, you know, so many people are like, well, why would you say that? And I'm like, dude, they're clearly doing something right if you know they're at the top of the top. Right. Now, look, no one's perfect, but look, I, I respect them. I want to learn from them and vice versa. Look they probably get into such a habitual pattern of what's worked, what's worked, what's worked that when something doesn't, it's probably good for them to pause and turn around and be like, well, what's good. What's the underdog doing? Like what's a smaller agency or company doing? So, you know, I, I just, I want to, I want to grow. I want to build a community. Um, you know, maybe that's very, you know, left side of me <laughs> where I'm just like peace, love hippie stuff. But I, I just, I do want everybody to get along and, you know, I mean, fights work, you know, we can still battle and fight and, you know, resolve conflict through learning, but I just want to grow. I want to, I want to help everyone grow around me, build a great community and, and ultimately just leave a legacy where, you know, people are like, wow, like the guy really just tried to, to grow and grow everything around him, not himself, but everything around him. It's the term I use a lot here. On it's called uh, anti-fragile, which isn't the opposite of fragile. It's it's when something stronger can take the place of of, of a tragedy or a weakness. You know, when the the roots of the tree get uh, you know the tree gets uprooted and and a stronger tree grows in its place. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that. So and and I love what you said too. I mean, there's plenty of room at the top. I've talked to people all the time. They say, well, um, how many how many offices do you have in Cincinnati? 
and I and I kind of pause and I'm and I'm thinking, you do you even know the population of Greater Cincinnati? It's like 1.5 million people. Like, how many advisory firms will we need to have to really create a cannibalistic issue here with with the clients that we can work with? I mean, yeah. there's there's plenty of room at the top, and we all grow from one another. But um, well, I tell you what, man, this has been awesome. I I I appreciate your time. I want to value your time. Um. I hope this isn't the, the last that, that we that we get to communicate because I want to I'm going to be keeping in touch. I'm going to be following you and, and, and watching your path upward. Um, and it's it's refreshing seeing your energy and your passion for what you do, because, uh, like I said, it's people want to want to talk about their why, but they don't always have the how or the what um, you got to drive behind all that, man. And it's really cool to see, especially at such a young age. But um, keep it up. And, and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to connecting with you again, man. Thanks, brother. I really appreciate the time and opportunity. And so they, everybody can see where, where, uh, where can people check you out? Yeah. So personal, uh, A Stallings, S-T-A-L-L-I-N-G-S 88 across almost all platforms. Um, Othello Group, A-T-H-E-L-O Group. And uh, yeah, we just got a brand new badass website. So go check that out. All updated uh, case studies, clients, athletes, uh, our journey, all of it. So yeah, just uh Drop us a note, give us a ring, let us know how we can always help. It does look great. The brand looks clean. Um, we're, we're excited. Uh, go check them out. And uh, Andrew, like I said, it's been great. Um, we'll, we'll be in touch soon. And thanks for your time. We really appreciate it on the Authentic Conviction Podcast, my man. Awesome. Thank you, brother.